Hello and welcome to the Music Survival Guide, the independent musician's guide on how to survive in the music industry. My name's Phil, a mixing and mastering engineer. Hello to you out there in podcast land. I hope you are doing well this fine October. I mean, I say it's fine. It's fine as I recall, but I imagine it'll turn. I hope it'll turn. It's a bit too warm. Anyway, um, it's not really what I'm here to talk about. This week on the podcast, I'm chatting with Kieran of Thieves of Liberty. We discuss things like having your own rehearsal space and the advantages of that, doing a gig after just a month into a brand new lineup. That would terrify me, frankly, and writing songs collaboratively as a band. It's a great chat. We talk about all sorts of things around the facets of being in a band in the 21st century, well worth a listen. I've got to say, though, um, unfortunately, uh, this is the first time this has ever happened. The recording on my end when we did this interview didn't work very well. It sounded like I was recording into a potato in the middle of a hurricane and it was awful. Um, So I have taken the liberty of re-recording all my bits of the conversation. So if they sound a bit weirdly artificial, they are. Um, And that's just me trying to act and not being very good at it. So please ignore that and please listen to the wisdom and great company that Kieran is beyond my sort of robotic responses. And I'm just going to say on with the podcast. So today on the podcast, I'm joined by Kieran of Thieves of Liberty. Kieran, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? All right, you know, Friday night's always good. I mean, not as people listen to this, but as we record it, you know, <laughs> it's good that the weekend beckons. Yeah, I haven't got any stuff. plans, but you know, the weekend beckons. <laughs> so my first question to you, as always, is from an online random question generator. Yeah. And this is a, oh, this is a really weird one. Do you get on well with your neighbours? Oh, um, yeah. So on, on one side, um, we, we do have a, a lovely couple who, um, they moved over from Poland a few years ago. Um, we get on really well with them. On the other side, we have different neighbours about every six months. So <laughs> um, hard to know. So it's hard. It's hard to know them. But the ones we have at the moment seem okay. I just thought there might be more of an acrimonious story. You know, living next to musicians, it's not always the easiest necessarily. Um, yeah, I've never had any complaints actually. Fair um, enough. Maybe I'm not playing loud enough. <laughs> Never loud enough. So my first uh, real question for you, I guess, is how did you get into music in the first place? I don't come from a musical family at all. Um, so it was kind of by chance, I think. You know, I got a, a little junior acoustic guitar when I was seven year old. Um, and so I never really learned how to play. I just kind of made noises on it for a, a long time. Then it's hard to pinpoint the exact moment. I remember... This is really not a rock star story, but I remember just playing a lot of Guitar Hero when I was younger and just really enjoying the music on that. Um, So that was possibly one of the starts. I also remember Rage Against the Machine getting Christmas number one, and I thought it was so cool that something different won just for once. Um, So that was kind of another bridge into it. So yeah, so maybe a combination of Rage Against the Machine and Guitar Hero Aerosmith. Nice, nice. What a... What a classic combination. <laughs> I tell you what, there's going to be a load of people for whom things like Guitar Hero was just the way in. Yeah, probably. You're not alone there. <laughs> I mean, I was just a little bit older, so maybe it passed me by a little bit. But anyway, how did the band get together? How did you get started in the first place? Well, So there's been two iterations of Thieves of Liberty now. Uh, the original one was very much sort of a college band. We all met there. Um you know, and we did quite well, and now we've changed to a newer lineup, and uh, kind of by chance, the way that this lineup fell together. You know, the the old lineup had just disbanded, 
I'd sort of gone into work the next day. I worked in a music studio in Sunderland. And James, who's our singer now, also worked there. And I was just like, oh man, the, the band's broke up. Um, uh, we've got a gig in London next month that I was really looking forward to. And and he just went, I'll do it. <laughs> and it was kind of kind of as simple as that. And then everyone else we just brought in has just been organic. You know, we, we knew we needed more members and just kind of put the feelers out to people we knew we could rely on, people who were at the top of their game and... They said yes, came in, and we've all gelled so well straight away. It's, it became kind of seamless, fortunately. <laughs> was that a tense gig? Because that's kind of quick after a month for some people. Yeah, because we wrote an entirely new set for it as well. We didn't do any of the old stuff because it was female-fronted. It was such a different range to what we do now. Um, so, yeah, so we wrote a full new set and did the gig in four weeks down in London, which was quite a cool place for our debut gig as this iteration. Um, and... No, to be honest, it, it wasn't tense. Uh, actually, it went it went surprisingly well, considering. So I think we were all quite calm about it at the time, but looking back now, we should have been stressed. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. So it's quite a straightforward and, uh, I guess, a decent gig then. Yeah, it went really well. We played with uh, Amongst Liars. They were now touring oh, yes. with Theory of a Dead Man. So love um, those guys. And we became really good friends with them. Done a sh- few shows with them now. So yeah, Where really successful it? night. The Water Rats. Oh, I don't know that one. Yeah, it was a good venue, actually. Enjoyed it. Fair enough. I thought I knew most of the London venues, but clearly not. Never mind. So, where did the band name come from? Because I'm always curious about where people get these ideas from. And it's often a very weird and wonderful story that people weave. You know, I get asked this question all the time, and it's a really boring story. So, (laughs) I've been thinking about just inventing a cool story just to start telling people... But no, honestly, it was just a brainstorm of random words that we just put together until it sounded cool. We had like Liberty Thieves and Liberty Creek and then stuff like that. And then eventually someone said Thieves of Liberty at some point. And for the first time in a long time, everyone actually was like, yeah, actually, yeah, that sounds good. The Liberty was the word you had. and then Yeah, Liberty kind of stuck from somewhere. Um, and then someone added the Thieves of before it and... Yeah, and it was like the first name where everyone agreed it sounded good. <laughs> well, that's helpful. It's always helpful to get agreement. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's a really boring story, I know. <laughs> well, maybe we should find you a more exciting story. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, uh, um, no, I don't know. Yeah, it was that time we all broke into the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I heard about that in the news. We stole the flare. <laughs> you stole the flare. Wow. Uh, might need a bit of work, but never mind. <laughs> good luck. Good luck. <laughs> so where do you guys rehearse and how do you rehearse because there's lots of different sort of approaches and feelings to that so where do you guys sit with that kind of thing so we we have our own uh, little rehearsal room it's at a place called the bunker in sunderland which is also where me and james worked where we met um you know it's a great place as well i'd highly recommend to anyone in the northeast to check it out if they haven't already because there's there's lessons for all instruments there there's rehearsal rooms that can be hired privately or there's public ones which you can just hire if you come occasionally there's a music studio in there with a fantastic producer who we use for all of our stuff um so yeah definitely check it out and like i say we have our own room which we rehearse in regularly uh, which is really helpful to be honest because we can just kind of leave all our stuff set up just and then we just walk in pick the pick the guitars up and play instead of having to go through the whole setup and pack down process every time yeah so it makes things a bit easier for us 
do you um do, do you guys get it on a sort of reduced rate because you work there yes i mean stuff discounts a thing everywhere isn't it so i, I don't think that's a it's a crime <laughs> oh no 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 that's fair enough i mean a lot of bands i know especially in london do not have their own space and certainly cannot afford their own space but i think it's so it's so underrated how helpful it can be to have that space and have like that home base for a band yeah exactly and, and it is expensive i mean even with the with a sort of reduced rate it is it's still quite an expensive upkeep so i understand it's difficult for most bands to get one but if you can i would definitely recommend it it's nice having something that feels homely that's something that belongs to us as well makes a more comfortable and creative space that i find have you customized it as well so it's more like your kind of space yeah we've got like a big big banner up and stuff like that we've got a sofa a mini fridge it's a very mini nice. fridge wow <laughs> yeah I, when i say a mini fridge i mean mini you can get one drink in it <laughs> oh right okay but that's enough <laughs> very very mini yeah does it have i don't know i'm struggling to describe it that kind of funky feel and smell that a lot of rehearsal rooms get after a while and then they can get really hot really quickly and they get a bit uncomfortable and a bit stuffy and things like that oh god yeah yeah i mean it's we we heat we hit both sort of extremes temperature wise uh depending on the season in the winter it's so cold so we have a little portable heater in there for the winter but we've also got some fans in there for the summer because it gets so hot um yeah and um you know what i think it, it's quite a big room to be fair so it doesn't end up smelling too bad because i think there's enough air circulation um but it certainly could <laughs> maybe in winter you could just play the songs a bit quicker and then you can keep warm that way maybe yeah <laughs> and then in summer you can, you can play them a bit slower to keep cool i think you're onto something <laughs> yes <laughs> you know i i know what i'm just talking about with these things obviously so have you guys had any like nightmare experience gigs where loads of things have gone wrong? Yeah, we've never had any total nightmares. Um, we we did do a gig quite recently. Um, I'll not say which one, but <laughs> we we had a bit of a a technical malfunction with the the bass <laughs> where it wasn't too bad. It was, it was for the first two songs of the set. So we play everything in D standards, which means all the guitars are tuned to full tone down. Um, and we all tuned in before the start of the set and it was the gig was running really behind we didn't get a sound check it was just plug in right you've got to start straight away so we didn't get a chance to make sure everything was fine you've got the we sound start, go <laughs> so and we started the first song and I was like oh god the, the bass sounds really wrong here something's something's gone wrong something's funky um, <laughs> so then I sort of halfway through the song where there was a bit of a break in the song he tried to quickly tune it back up and i watched him do it and he tuned it to all the right notes on the tuner and then continued playing again afterwards and it still sounded really wrong <laughs> so we were like what's going on here so we sort of stalled a bit after the first song to make sure it was definitely in tune played the second song it still sounded awful and we were kind of baffled and um he sort of realised as he was going, like if he played everything a tone higher than he normally would, it was sounding okay. So obviously there must have been a, a setting on this tuner that we were unaware of that's either drastically changed the frequency and like changed it big time, or it has some sort of like tonal difference 
tuning or something. But yeah, so he had to tune everything up to what would look like standard, but sounded like drop D. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think the tuner is hmm. maybe don't use the tuner again. Yeah, no, we, we've agreed on that. Yeah, so there's either a crazy setting on it that we didn't know about, or it's really broken. <laughs> Dare I ask what tuner it was? Uh, it was it was one of the Boss tuners, which I know oh, it, so good normally. They're solid. Yeah, I don't know. It was crazy. But yeah, so the tuner was like a full torn out. <laughs> oh, I mean, I've never known that from a Boss tuner. They're usually like really solid, aren't they? I mean, I've got one. I've got one down here, and I've never known that to be a problem. If you know, please do write in. Yeah, I've used one before as well. I've never had a problem like that. Bizarre. Very bizarre. Um, when it comes to gigs, do you guys use a metronome? Do you, I was going to say freestyle it. I don't mean freestyle it. Do you um, just feel it out? What's your approach to that kind of thing? It's half half, actually. Um, because we don't all run in ear monitors, just that our drummer uses a click for songs that he starts. Uh, but we also have a lot of our songs which start on guitar or something like that. Uh, where he doesn't bother because it means we'd have to hear the metronome first, and we don't all run in ears. Um, I, I don't. I think for me personally, I wouldn't like to have one in my ear because it kind of takes away the live feel of it for me. It makes it feel like I'm trying to be perfect and rehearsed and very studio-like. And I don't know. I, in when I'm playing live, I like to feel the moment, feel the music, and just sort of get lost in it, not think about doing everything right i mean i do try and do everything right still but <laughs> i don't particularly worry about it too much you know it just happens naturally um but f for a drummer i think it's fine because you know it's it's their job to keep us in time isn't it <laughs> i'm sure i know a lot of drummers who could talk extensively about their absolute hatred of gigs but i think it's a really good idea especially if the drummer's starting the song because you know how it is. You can get into it, and before you know it, the song is galloping along. It's going a lot faster than you intended. It's never slower, is it? It's always faster, and it can be a really helpful way to rein in that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I always get it wrong because, like I say, the songs that I start on the guitar when he's not using a click for, and then when he joins in, he just glares at me like, Garen, this is way too fast what you're doing. Oh, he does, does he? He just glares at you. He doesn't kind of pull you down with a slow kind of change. He, he does He does try to, yeah, he does. <laughs> it's a combination of slow me down and glaring. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I love a bit of passive aggression. I find it always, it always helps in a gig situation, doesn't it? So moving over a little bit, when it comes to writing songs, what's your guys' approach to that? Do you write them individually or do you jam them in the room? Um, what's your feel on that kind of thing? Yeah, it, it's a very collective approach usually. Um, it, it can start with a riff or a vocal melody that we've came up with in our own time but it always gets brought to the practice room and sort of played for all the guys and then we all just kind of jump on and add our own stuff so yeah, it's a very collaborative process there's, there's one or two instances where a lot of it's been wrote by an individual but not too often I think we like the idea of everyone having their own sort of spin on it yeah that makes sense so you'll kind of bring your individual spin on things exactly yeah if one person writes it it can sometimes be a bit one-dimensional mm, that's a good point. not always but it yeah you get different flavors from different people and that sort of makes a better collective project i think and it's always like being brutally honest how well can a guitarist write a drum part um maybe it's sometimes better than others uh well tom might disagree <laughs> but <laughs> 
I mean, when we're in the studio, me particular, being a horrible perfectionist, <laughs> he'll, he'll play, a, he'll do a take of the song, and it'll be exactly how he's wrote, and he'll be like, "That's great," and but then I'll say, "But you know, about one minute twenty in, what if you did badunta instead of just badunta?" <laughs> uh, you know, and that's drummer language. You know, he understands that. I mean, if it was me, I'd be like. Which part of the song is that? I don't really work in minutes and seconds. Yeah, so I, I speak a lot of drum for him. You know, <laughs> um, so we always make little minor tweaks. So, so he might he might disagree that I, th- I think I can write drums quite well for him. I can't play them well, but in my head I can I can hear what I think they should sound like. <laughs> in your head, you can play brilliantly. It's all just perfect in your head, isn't it? So. When it comes to demos, do you record them? Do you bother with them after you've written a song? It's a good way of kind of keeping a track of it. Is that your kind of feel for these things? Um, sometimes yes, sometimes no. We, because, like I say, with being <laughs> so notoriously awkward for changing things, we did track loads of demos for this album, and then two weeks later, almost none of them were usable because I'd changed things. <laughs> Um, so by the time we went into the studio, we had demos which sounded nothing like what we were actually going to record. So we have done them, but it, they, they don't always work for us. And then we end up running out of time to do new ones by the time we've made tweaks. And we always do tweaks on the fly as well. Like I say, not one of the tracks we've done in the studio has came out sounding exactly like it did going in. <laughs> I mean, I guess it depends on what it's for, isn't it? If it's just a document of what the song was like at that particular point in time, then it's probably brilliantly useful for that kind of purpose, isn't it? We we tend to do a sort of a voice memo in, in the rehearsal room, so it helps us remember what we were playing at least. Um, but not we don't usually get as far as using them as a guide track in the studio anymore because we're, we're too changeable. <laughs> I mean, I guess... It's a really good kind of objectivity test, isn't it? So where you can sit back, you've got the song there, you're not actively playing it, and you can just kind of objectively sit there and go, right, what what does this sound like in totality? Yeah, and listen to the other parts. Yeah, kind of what the whole thing is like. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree with that. So there you are. It wasn't a waste of time. Not a waste of time at all. Yeah, true, true. So you say that you guys uh, record at the studio that you work at. What's your reasoning behind that? Why do you do that as opposed to, say, recording at home or any other kind of approach? Um, like I say, the, the guy, he, he's a very good friend of ours anyway because he, he was a colleague, first of all, and now he, he's one of our best friends. And um, he's he's actually, he's depth with us loads of times. Um, if ever a bassist or a guitarist not available, he can jump in. He's, he's a very multi-talented guy. He can play anything. He's, he's even done shows on keys for us occasionally. Um great backing vocalist as well he's better than any of us <laughs> but uh so he knows all the songs inside out which is i think is a massive help to start with in terms of having a producer who knows exactly how they should sound and what we want them to sound like what we were thinking when we wrote them because he's been present for a lot of rehearsals as well um and he's just great at what he does you know he he always has us coming out sounding great even before he's mixed it or anything, already listening to this album, we're like, wow, this sounds like the best thing we've ever done. <laughs> so let's, let's hopefully it gets even better. Is he on your album as a backing vocalist since he has such a good voice? He is actually, yeah. Oh, he is. Well, I have to listen out for him then when I listen to it. But yeah, I mean, he's always contributing in that sense. He sort of helps with like little rewrites as well. He's great at working out harmonies and stuff. He, he's like an unofficial sixth member, we like to call him. Sixth member of the band. I wonder who coined that. Was it was it the Beatles who kind of coined that idea of the producer being the sixth band member? 
Possibly. Uh, anyway, it's it's not particularly relevant to right now. So, what, in your opinion, has been the biggest success of the band so far? Say something you look back on and go, yes, that was brilliant. I love that moment. Yeah. Um, so I've got two separate answers for that. I'd say one of the most exciting experiences was getting to play a gig in Ibiza. <laughs> um, you know, it was the first show outside of the UK, which is a massive milestone for us. Um, so I'd definitely say that was one of them, but probably the the best in terms of sort of the success and then progression of the band was uh, winning a slot to play at Firevolt Festival this year, um, which is one of the best festivals I've ever been to in my life. It was so friendly all the staff couldn't do enough for us you know it was we have this little story we always tell about this festival and such a minor detail but we were backstage just before we went on the day of the show and um one of the members of staff called lee she came up to james and just said um is there anything i can get you do you need anything and his voice was feeling a bit hoarse we had already been at the festival for two days at this point so <laughs> um and he just said like as a long shot have you got any like honey? Just sort of like soothe my voice a bit. Within two minutes, she was back with a full jar of honey for him. And you know, and that's that's treatment that you don't often get. Um, like I say, they just couldn't do enough for us. It was we were very well looked after, and the show itself was amazing. We probably played to about I think there was like thirteen hundred people at the festival over the weekend. I'm not sure how many was there exactly for us, but it's fantastic. And we shared the stage with some massive names, like Royal Republic and. Uh, massive wagons, Cardinal Black, which and Chris Buck nearly made me want to retire. <laughs> what a guitarist, man! So yeah, and just the amount of recognition we've had off of the back of that show is just—it's really been a step forward for us. I mean, we went to Stone Dead Festival the week after, and uh, we sort of couldn't walk from one side of the festival to the other without getting stopped by a bunch of people who saw us at Firevolt. You know, was, and then we booked in for another show in Manchester in November it's already sold out and like that's just something which we never would have been able to done if we hadn't played with Firevolt a lot of bands would be quite jealous of you selling out gigs I can tell you that no it's absolutely amazing and I mean we, I still get people messaging me now saying can you get us tickets for that Manchester show please and I'm like I, I can't do anything about it anymore I'm sorry being a gun um, so yeah that's it's incredible because you know it's quite far away from us Manchester I know it not to you, it's we're all just northern, but <laughs> Hey, hey, hey. I grew up in Leeds. I know I haven't got oh, right. okay, anymore, okay. But... <laughs> Um Well there you go. So I mean yeah, Manchester's a good two and a half hours from us. So to be selling out a show that far away is, is incredible. So how is the band managed? Do you have a single point person who's kind of in charge or do you share out tasks? What's your approach to that kind of thing? Um well we are with management. We we're represented by Peter Keevil from TMR Music. Um, so he looks after us in the most part. Um, internally, it's it's generally me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the other guys, the other guys just do what they're told. <laughs> <laughs> You're the boss. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's always sort of been my my baby. It's like my project, you know. And you know, I sort of brought the guys in. So, and I'm really lucky to have guys who, you know, are very easy going, and you know that. They're just here for a good time. They just enjoy and sort of let me handle all the responsibilities. But I'm a bit of a nerd anyway, so I kind of enjoy all the responsibilities. <laughs> um, 
it's yeah so I, I, look, I look after all the sort of admin stuff for the band and the socials that kind of thing um them guys turn up and play <laughs> but but all the all the sort of serious stuff goes through the actual management now that seems like a good idea what's your what's your least favorite band task band admin task that you have to do oh that's a good question I tell you, one thing I'm not very good at is keeping on top of doing TikTok. Oh, yes. Because uh, it's so important nowadays and you have to do it all the time. But the, the idea of sitting and filming myself doing something stupid just makes me ill. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I gave up on TikTok. I, I just kind of was posting stuff and I didn't get any traction. So I just kind of went, there's not really any point in devoting any time to this. I, the, the few, so I usually just put gig clips on now, um, which do quite well. But we need to start being more proactive, I think, especially when the album starts coming out. So, yeah, probably TikTok at the moment, but I will strive to get Do you find it it works for you? Do you get anything from it or or I, I don't know? I see at the moment it's we we get like views and likes and stuff, but I I've never seen that translate into streams or anything per se. But we haven't really done it to push a release as of yet. So I guess it's kind of hard to judge at the moment, but I'm going to try it for the album for sure, and then I'll get back to it. Yeah, no, I'd be really intrigued to know how it goes. Uh, I mean, I've got I've got friends who are in bands who have kind of become successful just off the back of doing TikTok. Um, they, they may, they've done that. obviously some good shows as well, but kind of really went viral on TikTok and therefore became far more successful because they've got lots of fans based on their TikToks. So it can work for sure, but... I don't know. But maybe we're not pretty enough for that. <laughs> ah, don't say yourself down. <laughs> so I think I know what your, your response is going to be for this, but what is your goal or goals for the band in the next six months to a year or so? So, of, of course, the album is definitely the main the main answer for that. Um, we will be, sort of in the very short term, within... In fact, by the time this comes out, it might be out now, but we, we will have launched a crowdfunder to help us actually finance the album um, because it costs so much money. <laughs> An obscene amount of money to release a full album. Um, so we'll hopefully be getting some help from some very nice people who are willing to donate whatever they can to help us out. And that will help us actually make the album re- release a reality. So that's the plan, it's sort of six six months to a year. And then, yeah, hit up more of the festival season. You know, we did a few really good ones this year. We will be back at some of them next year, but I don't think I'm allowed to say which ones yet. Um, and just expand on more, get get more gig opportunities, keep, keep building, keep growing, get a larger fan base to hopefully keep coming and enjoying the music, enjoying the ride with us. Just more. More. Just more of everything. More, more, more. More of everything. Except the bandman. Less of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully not, but maybe it's just just a fact of life, isn't it? Yeah, I know. So my final kind of proper question, I guess, is what is your best piece of advice for bands nowadays? Um, well, a piece of advice that I got that really stuck with me when I was sort of younger, just sort of getting into bands, I went to see Tremonti live and I was lucky enough to get to meet all the band afterwards. They stuck around to meet everyone. And I asked each of them their best piece of advice. And the drummer, Garrett Whitlock, said to me, uh, learn how to do everything yourself. He said, do your own demos, learn how to do your own artwork, learn how to shoot your own videos. Because if you can do all of that, you're so well equipped to 
do everything a professional musician needs to do without any of the expense because it's so expensive to get a video done you're talking like a thousand pounds for a videographer and the edit but if you can do it yourself now it's free um so yeah so that, that was one of the best pieces of advice i've got and something i've took upon myself to do as well you know I, I, i'm a video editor now I, I can do videography um have started dabbling and graphic design as well um so it possibly will be our own artwork made for the album as well so yeah so that's the advice that i always like to share as well if you can learn to do it, it's hard because you want to focus on your craft and just be the best musician you can be but unfortunately that's not always enough these days and you need so much financial back and that any expense you can spare by doing it yourself, try and do that. It's a good piece of advice. I like it. So, to close out the podcast, I'd like to ask you for your favourite song from the band to play at the end of the episode. I'm afraid, obviously, it can't be from the new album since that's not released yet. But which song is it and why? I'll go for Calypso. It's our most recent single. And... It's just a bit of fun, to be honest. Um, it, it's slightly different from the stuff on the Back Again EP, which is all very rock-heavy. This one, it's still a rock song, but it's, it's got a bit of groove to it, and it's nice for a bit, bit of song and a bit of dance, you know? There's a nice sing-along bridge. There's a solo, which I'm particularly happy with. Always. Always when it comes to the guitarists, it's all about the solo. Yeah, it's a nice one. <laughs> so, so that's my choice. Nice. Well... This is Thieves of Liberty with Calypso. Kieran, it's been great to talk with you. Oh, you too. Thank you for having me.